when this releases, I'll be on the eve of my 41st trip around the sun. And in all those years, though I still feel that I'm as young as I feel, I will realize a lot has changed, a lot has occurred, and I've endured a lot as well. And I want to talk about that this evening. Welcome to episode nine. These grays tell a story. Welcome to the Complicatedly Misunderstood Podcast. Understood podcast. It's your boy CO. First, let me say thank you for everyone that always uh, listens to the show and immediately gives me feedback. I appreciate that heavily. Um, the Green Box it released last week, um, so I think people are just now having a chance to download and listen. So please share um, and like that. So while I have their attention on that topic, please like, share, follow. Instagram, Facebook, primarily underneath Complicatedly Misunderstood Pod. You can always listen to the pod on Spotify, Apple, and Google. Now, with that said, last week <laughs> I had a lot of fun just going down um, memory lane, but I also had a lot of things to kind of unpack, um, which then led to some things that kind of became clear to a few folks, to include myself as I was actually giving that show, so... Um, hopefully that's what every episode does. It gives you an opportunity to reflect and then see if the things I've talked about actually apply to your life. Now with that, it's funny cause it was, I was thinking about it all week. You know, you always think that you kill a pod and you can't wait to listen and then immediately like, damn, I forgot to say that. <laughs> so for all the things that I talked about at the green box, the two things that I forgot about and they actually are important, and I just want to tackle them real quick before we get into tonight's show, is the green box is where you actually got a lot of skin in the game, where you built up, you know, a little bit of resilience, because there was a lot of, we called it joning, most people now might call it just cracking jokes, or, you know, going at somebody, but we used to jone on each other hard, you know, there, and on the back of the bus on the way to school in the morning, Everything was fair game. Mamas, sisters, people with handicaps, people with lazy eyes, <laughs> you name it, they got the business. And you would say some of the craziest shit at the green box. I want to shout out a few folks. Um, they old school homies. So Corey, Todd, Charlie Brown um, were the main main ones. Um, those dudes were like the masters of the Jonas session. Like they would say some crazy shit and we would be like <laughs> just trading. And as, as, I, as I got older, I felt like I kind of got on their level and I was able to carry myself. But when you were young, like they would hit you back to back to back and you couldn't keep up. You know, they'll call you some crazy shit like a gnat 
like a gnat in a fucking do-rag riding on the back of a frog. And like none of that shit makes sense. But then everybody would just laugh and you'd be thinking about that stupid shit all day and upset because you wasn't witty enough to come back. <laughs> so anybody that knows me now knows I'm pretty witty. And I have the ability now to just crack jokes on the fly and all that. And I would like to thank them and the rest of the hood that raised me for building that <laughs> characteristic up because, uh, man, it was rough growing up. And the other thing that happened at the Green Box that I didn't talk about last week was that's where you learned to cipher, right? So you learned to rap or not rap or we would listen to No Limits, you know, records when they came out and everybody come to the box and try to rap their verse you know, certain people be like, oh, I'm Silk the Shocker, I'm mystical, oh, I'm this guy, I'm that guy. So <laughs> the Green Box was not only a stage and a studio, but it was damn sure a place that you went to get your shit wrecked. It was a, a like a like wildin' out, had nothing on the Green Box in, in the mid to late 90s, like nothing. Nick Cannon show is dope, but it had nothing on a Green Box. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I tackle those things. And hopefully as you listen to the Green Box episode, you have your own memories that you can reflect on and have a quick conversation with somebody who shared those memories with you. Now this week, um, we're going to go into some other lanes. And so um, before we get into those lanes, I want to talk about an importance of a day. Um, so April 21st has many meanings in my life. First, um, it is the day that I lost one of my best friends, Justin Miller, rest in heaven, 11 years ago. And I'm going to touch on that um, here in a second. It's also my brother's birthday. So um, he turned 45, I believe, this year. Yeah, he was born in 77. No, maybe he turned 46. He turned 46, my bad. It's also my wife, Tanisha's Air Force anniversary. It's her 19th. And so... Ever since the passing of Justin back in 2012, this day has been full of, like, crazy emotions. And things that I've talked about on other podcasts and I wrote about in the, in the book a little bit is understanding how to, how to cope um, with certain traumas over time as you begin to heal. It's like you're losing your comfort with that trauma because this sounds wild but I feel like there's a weird bond that you share when it comes to your trauma now my boy Mario he just released the amazing uh, podcast yesterday morning actually it's called fighting demons and he talks about you know some things that he makes comparisons to I'm not gonna steal his thunder but it got me to thinking and I've said this in a way before on a podcast and just in many conversations if you ever had this conversation with me but it's like once you go through certain things, in a lot of ways, that certain thing gives you strength. And it gives you strength to maybe deal with tougher times or, you know, it gives you strength to be able to will yourself through shit. But at the same time, it's an ultimate weakness because you're not understanding that you need it, even though it's bad, to stay afloat. So when you finally seek help or you start to work those things out and things become lesser of an issue for you, it almost feels bad as you're getting over it or letting it go or moving beyond it or whatever. And I say all that to say when it comes to the situation with Justin, I would say maybe two or three years ago, seemingly the date started to be easier to live each year. And though that's a good thing, 
I guess that internal struggle, that internal battle that you have, started telling me, yo, that's a bad thing. Because I felt like by getting better, by feeling better about the day, by not being so sad and distraught and not living that day or the week following, so not really, you know, I guess celebrating my own birthday and nothing like that, I kind of felt like all of a sudden now that I was doing better, like I was forgetting about him. And so shout out to someone who told me some really great information this week. Um, She told me, (laughs) she was like, never forget that healing and becoming, I guess, more one with the situation. Therefore, it's easier for you to deal with the day, deal with the, the, the thought, deal with, you know, the situation, whatever may have you, never correlates to being forgotten. And that was like a powerful statement because that's how I thought it was happening. So when I would wake up and I'm not sad anymore, when I would wake up and, you know, I can still laugh and I I could wake up, you know, do his memory post like I do every 21st and then not be in my head about the day over and over again, I felt like something was wrong. You know, I felt like, yo, like, shit, why are you not, you know, appreciating Justin's life every second of this day? Why are you not constantly, like, sad and feeling like, you know, damn, I miss him, I miss him, I miss him. Um, But it was because I started to seek the help that I needed, and I was starting to work things out, and I kind of relinquished the blame that I put on myself, and I was starting to forgive myself, and, you know, I was happier, and I was starting to celebrate birthdays again, and all these things, and then I would always come back to, but what about him? And for a minute, I was reluctant to really give it up because I didn't want to feel like I was forgetting him. But then I realized, like, shit, he's always on my mind all throughout the year. So why does it have to be highlighted and I'm just in a shitty place for you name it, you know, however many hours, however many, you know, days leading up to the day and then however many days after the day, just being in a shitty, funky, you know, depressed mood because it feels right because that's the way I'm celebrating him. It's a bunch of crock of shit, I know, <laughs> and I couldn't understand why I had to be one with that. But again, like I said, I think in a lot of ways, traumas get, trauma gives us strength, but it becomes an ultimate weakness. Mario said something along those lines, so I got to give my boy his praise for that. So I appreciate you letting me hear your words, let me hear your thoughts to be able to correlate and translate that to my own life. So in year 11, it's much easier to celebrate life with Justin and not have it be in a frustrating, depressing, sad way. So with that, continue to rest in heaven, continue to look over us, continue to be who you were. Because like I posted, you were definitely a one-of-a-kind soul. Now, I mean, because I'm not going to keep you long, we're just going to dive right into <laughs> these grays, tell a story. And what's wild about this, <laughs> uh, I'm going to, attempt to put a lot of things in your mind tonight but I want you to just kind of just rock with me again this is a complicatedly misunderstood podcast by a complicatedly misunderstood individual that being me so sometimes a lot of things come together but hopefully I tied into a pretty bow but we'll start with this (laughs) these grades tell a story and though I'm 40 pushing 41 and I'm not against you know, advancement in technology and and the way things are changing, you know, very quickly around us, i.e. 
electric cars are really real now. I mean, 10, 11 years ago when Tesla kind of hit the thing, it was like, oh, okay, well, that's one of a kind. No, every brand's making a car that's going to be electric. And that's just the wave. But I say that to say other things, <laughs> like this new AI wave, there's probably going to be an issue with that. Listen, <laughs> sounds crazy. But there's something that I'm not okay with when it comes to people recreating Michael Jackson's voice and brand new songs that don't even fit the type of artist he was. And then not knowing this, right? Because you can just be hearing it via a random YouTube page or somebody say, hey, listen to this, play this. You would almost think the shit is real. To me, that's a fucking problem. <laughs> don't play with people's lives like that. Let Michael Jackson be who Michael Jackson was. Relive his moments via classics, um, his albums. Let the young generation who never heard him or never seen him perform look at YouTube videos and see just how talented he was. But trying to merge two things, especially when Michael Jackson's been gone since like '09, and now we could, we just have the technology just to cre recreate shit. We gotta chill. I mean, AI has already started fucking up shit, right? Like people, artists are suing them because they're still in their voice and making songs that they had nothing to do with. And us people, if you don't know how to read between the lines and know that it's a bunch of bullshit, you will hear something like, oh shit, Drake just dropped something new. Like, bro, that's not Drake, that's AI. <laughs> so, my grades tell me, because I've seen enough, that that's going to be a problem. You remember shit like Napster, right? We thought that was great. It's amazing. People were able to just get access to music you know, without having to buy everything. And though we didn't understand or appreciate what the artist was losing and doing that, I was like, Shit, who gives a fuck? I got the whole catalog now. Like, that ain't my problem. Yeah, Napster didn't last long. Now, other things would come along and continue the piration, but that was the start of something that, guess what, was not good. And somebody's grades back then told them, because they had a little wisdom, that that wasn't going to be a good idea. And I'm saying it's AI shit in all of its uses. Watch out for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my grades tell me that there's always going to be more to the story than what is led on so to say that another way my grades tells me that there's a, a weird balance between the known and the unknown right and what I what I mean by that is isn't it ironic as shit that Tucker Carlson from Fox <laughs> and Don Lemon from CNN were just let go over a course of a few days? Now, these are polar figures on these networks. And Fox, you know, they were amongst a gigantic lawsuit that I think they end up losing, and he became a casualty of that. And then now, this morning I read Don Lemon has a bunch of different uh, misogynistic allegations and a number of other things that led to his firing. But it's weird <laughs> to kind of live in that balance, right? Like, like, there's a beautiful blend of acceptance, yet wonder. And your grades kind of help you figure things out. You know, you hear this when you're younger, maybe you don't give it a second thought. Maybe you don't even know who those individuals are. And maybe whatever the situation is, you're just not really invested. 
You know, like shit like that doesn't matter. But when you're a little older, you kind of read between the lines. <laughs> and maybe it's just pure irony, right? That, like I said, these two like polarizing figures on these two networks were fired days apart. It sounds crazy, but I'm like, there's more to this story. And CNN and Fox are trying to get in front of something. Maybe it's a good or bad thing for the individual or the network or however you want to look at it, but they're trying to get in front of something and then put it to bed before it has a chance to fester, and it's all wished away and forgotten because we remember CNN kind of did the same thing with Cuomo. But I say all that to say it doesn't matter what the situation is. doesn't matter what's going on. That's what happens when you get a little older. You really read between the lines of things. And sometimes you would invest yourself in the past in a debated argument, a spirited disagreement. And really, it was just purely opinionated. Had nothing to do with facts, had nothing to do with, you know, everything that, that, that was the truth that was unknown at that point. But you just felt like I had to argue something. Well, in my in my elder years, and I'm saying it's like I'm north of 50, but in my 40s, I still feel like I'm getting wiser. And I think we talked about this on a pod before. And so I never take anything at its 100% face value. Oh, Don was let go because of misogynistic comments. Cool. Tucker was let go because of this. Cool. No, nah, I was like, well, maybe they did do something that deserved firing because I, I don't know. But the same token, there's more to this story, and this is the way to get over it. <laughs> so that is the latest, most relevant, I guess, example that I can give you of that situation. But I thought it was a weird and wild comparison. But just think about it. I mean, and you can apply that to daily life, shit that happens at work. I'm in the military. Anybody that's in the military, we know. When decision, decisions are made, there's always a sense of acceptance and a bit of wonder. Like, that policy's changing, and this happened, and that happened. Hmm. But we have to accept it because the policy is changed, but I wonder why, wonder what drove it to that. And I can give you a quick example of that too, right? We still can't get official beards in the United States Air Force unless you have a medical condition. However, <laughs> because of retainability issues and because of recruitment issues suddenly it's okay to have a neck tattoo where that used to completely disqualify you but because we got to make adjustments we'll bend a little bit so they will never say that that's the reason but remember that acceptance and that wonder oh yeah that's the reason hey we can't get people to come in so what do we need to relax? And they probably did some surveys. They probably thought about how many people were DQ'd because of neck tattoos or people who refused to remove their neck tattoo or whatever it might have you. And I'm like, you know what? It's a decent amount of those individuals that would have been members. Maybe that's something we need to relax. <laughs> and hey, by the way, most people are getting shaven whether waivers, whether they need them or not. So why even, you know, make that a thing when we can just accept it, right? By getting the shaving waiver and then we just deal with it and it's still unofficial policy. Let me stop reading between lines. <laughs> Let me stop reading in between lines. But moving on. <sighs> totally off subject. 
but my grades tell me. Listen, Tom Brady and LeBron James are cyborgs. They're like from one of those crazy planets that was on Men in Black. Like they have the human body, they have the human look, they have human characteristics, but they're mechanized cyborg Terminator dudes under there. Why do I say that? Listen, I'm not a Tom Brady fan. Anybody that knows me know I'm not a Tom Brady fan. This fucking guy played to 45 in modern football where people get their ass fucked up. CTE, uh, crazy injuries, like, I mean, shit, we seen like a super, super scare this past season. Never happened before. Somebody went into cardiac arrest. Tom Brady, 45, he played to 40 fucking five. And he probably could, I, I'm not even bullshit. He could have honestly, he could honestly come back. I just think that maybe personal life finally caught up. And maybe he's just really like, okay, it's time to let go. But I'm, again, it's going to sound like I'm a fan, but I'm not. But I am sold, <laughs> completely sold on he could play to 50, and we would just have to accept that. And that shit would have absolutely destroyed my mind because just to see him destroy the record book, everybody that knows me know I can't stand that shit. But, hey, I got to accept this dude was different. Tom Brady was different. You'll never hear me call him the GOAT, but Tom Brady was different. LeBron fucking James. Listen, we've been knowing this guy was a phenom since the age of 18. He came into the league the year that I joined the Air Force in 2003. Now, look, he had his fair share of injuries. Nothing really ever major, never blew out a knee, never hurt, nothing like that. But he's missed time, you know, ankles and stuff like that. Even this year, he had an ankle injury. This son bitch is <laughs> 38 years old in 20 years and some ungodly amount of minutes played, some ungodly amount of games played, on and on, is out there in this Grizzly series looking like he's 27. Sure, he's not as, you know, athletic as he once was. Sure, he doesn't play both ends of the floor as he once did. But I think the other night, the dude had like four or five blocks, man. He's still doing chase down blocks. He's still dunking on people. He's still catching alley-oops. He's still able to get any shot he wants on the court, get to any position he wants on the court. He can still defend when needed. He's 38 fucking years old. My grades tell me, because I've seen a lot of great basketball players, a lot of great football players, but they all have a certain window of time of pure dominance, which we call their primes, where they're just phenomenal, and then all almost immediately, like, it can be one season, like, they just hit a wall, and it's down the steepest hill on the steepest roller coaster, you know. But these two individuals, cyborgs, my grades tell me, they are different. Now, here's where we're going to live for a while. <laughs> My grades have shown me now that if you take the time, really take the time to think about the life you've lived and the life that has happened around you, and you put the two in a giant mixing bowl, us millennials 
So I'm speaking to people that were born because you can look at different sites and they'll tell you when the millennial year starts. But I was born in 1982. I'll be 41 years old on Thursday. Millennial years usually start anywhere from like 81 to 90 something. So for this, I'll call myself a millennial, a, a Gen Z or whatever they say, but a millennial. I graduated high school in the year 2000. Shit in our life. <laughs> Lifetime has been fucking wild, bro. Like, let's not bullshit. Let's not play games. This shit is like a John Gresham novel or Michael Crichton or just a storyteller like like no other. Some Stephen King shit sometime. Like, we have lived a life that has had a ton, and I mean a ton, of what-the-fuck moments. Okay? So let's just go through a few. And they may or may not be in order, so forgive me. We... <laughs> I was, like, looking back at this, at this shit that I found on a website, and I was like, yo, son. Like, what? Okay. So here we go. Let's go back to just born, being born into the crack era, right? That was a wild time, okay? So knowing that our lives started in probably the most difficult def decade outside of a wartime period, the drugs, the drug rise, the crime rise, um, the violence, uh, AIDS became a thing in the 80s. Like there was things that were happening in that 10-year span that – I mean, like I said, you can take AIDS. Like, doctors didn't even know what the fuck was going on. Like, what is this? Like, what? And that decade itself, especially if you're African-American, was just rough, right? Like, some of us can say, hey, you know what? We were shielded by that. But some of us can't. Some of us have, you know, people in our family that were hooked to that terrible drug and lost their lives, did jail time because you had family members who sold that drug and people who got killed because of that drug and so many other things. We were born during that time, okay? So let's just start with the crack era. Then we can skip a few years and think about things that were changing the way the world was going to see imminent danger like the rise of and I won't say it like that but terrorist acts really started to show themselves in a more dramatic drastic way during our lifetime I mean we can go Timothy McVeigh right and what he did at Oklahoma City we can go the the trade center bombing in 93 we can go Waco was that 94 I think it was and situations like that, like just making national headlines and national waves. Now, we're kids at this point, but this is still occurring during our lifetime to the point that then we were really going to get rocked in 99 because, oh, my God, Columbine, school shooting in Colorado that changed everything. And I remember I was in high school, and then, you know, now all of a sudden – we're starting to 
target people who look a certain way, right? Like, I mean, you remember the whole era with the trench coats and the dark jackets and the big Jinko jeans and the goth look, right? Like, oh, God, these are the people who are going to shoot the school up type shit. Like, I don't know. You know, like, that became a wave. 2001, 9-11. Like, what, fam? <laughs> like, hold on, dog. Like, planes flew into buildings. 3,000-plus people died in New York City, of all places. Like, wait a minute. Our country has been attacked? No. We go to other countries and stop oppressed. Not the other way around. Nobody comes to our country and fucks with us. Like, on our soil? I remember when Desert Storm kicked off in 91. I'm like 19 years old and, you know, like not understanding the world. I'm like, yo, this is inconvenience. This shit be popping in, doing, you know, Super Bowl popping in, doing the Simpsons. Like, hey, what the fuck is this bullshit? I'm like, but then not understanding just 10 years later, like that was the, in a lot of ways, that was a prelude to our long, long-term stay in that region because we would end up going back to Iraq area plus going to Afghanistan. So living through 9-11 and then what that would ensue, 20 plus years of war in that area. Recessions. 2008, we lived through a crazy recession, like the worst since the Great Depression, right? Like so at that time, damn near a 80, 90 year difference of holy shit, this is our version of that. You know what I'm saying? Like holy shit. And now we're kind of in another recession. Right. Of course, you can go 2020 to pandemic. You can go Katrina. You can go other multiple fucking disasters that happen. Holy shit. You can go uh, like disasters dealing with radiation. You can go Chernobyl in 86. I know we're, we're kids at that point, but that happened. Hell, that happened the week of my birthday. I think it's the day before my birthday, 26th of April, 1986. Um, you can go Fukushima, which was in 2010, 11-ish. That was over in Japan. We had another reactor do its thing and, and cause, like, real issues. <sighs> we had multiple hurricanes that did damage, tsunamis, Sri Lanka, and all that other shit. Like, fam. <laughs> like, what? Now, every now and then, we had to sprinkle some positive shit in there so we would be like, hey, we were the first to see, you know, a black president, which was amazing. We had a back-to-back term incredible lifetime event to be able to say you lived through and you saw through. But when you think about the craziness that we've lived through now, add that to your own life. You've like, holy shit, these grades really do tell a story because when we tell our story to our grandkids, it's going to be one that's going to have like, they could be shook. (laughs) Like, what happened, Grandpa? And so when you think about your life, most of the time we just think about our upbringing, right? And we think about the shit that, you know, the struggles and the and the strife that we dealt with personally, losing people of importance, maybe growing up in poverty, um, not having all the things that, that you felt were needed, you know, our own individual struggles. But then you tie that to what I just said, and then you think about your life, man, if you're still here, You got a lot to be blessed for. You got a lot to be thankful for. And most times, our days don't yield that respect to the blessing of still being here. 
because we find a reason and we find a way to look at the bad things in our life and remain in this this funk, this frustration, instead of thinking about what we've been able to persevere. Whether you want to put that in national pride and like, hey, look, I'm American and we did this. Whether you want to put that in cultural pride, like, hey, I'm a black person and I've stunned and I've been able to stand through this. Or whatever else you can potentially tie yourself to. When you think about what's happened, not only in our country, but the world, and you've been a part of A, the happening, and B, the reclamation of whatever, right? You've seen yourself through it, you know, the mitigation process all the way back to being 100% healthy again. I mean, COVID was devastating. People were dying by the groves. There's people that still believe it's a hoax. It's not real. It's fake. It's everything. We're not here to debate that. But I will say there was times when the death toll number was crazy scary. When it was just scary to live anywhere. But I'll just say in our country because you know how we are. (laughs) By the nature of things, Americans are very greedy, very prideful, and very much about their own. So their own little land. Me, myself, and my own little land, family, whomever. And so going to a grocery store or going to get regular supplies from a traditional store, probably was nothing there. And I remember thinking as I'm seeing this, because for the height of COVID, like when it first kicked off, I was deployed. So I didn't get to live it. So I was only seeing things or hearing things from family and friends. But when I came back and it was still much going on and some things were still very much scarce, I remember thinking like, we're not designed for this because as a people and I'll say as a people you and just a nation we don't know how to share take care of one another and get through things as we should on a basis of all not me hence no toilet paper <laughs> hence no food wife was telling a funny story she was like look man it was <laughs> it was fucking may you go to the grocery store after getting off work and you need essentials and now everything's essential because literally people just buying everything. She's like, look, ain't nothing in the freezers as far as meat or anything, but fucking turkeys. (laughs) Like you had to chuckle, but I'm like, it's the middle of fucking summer almost or, 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 or spring heading into summer. And because everybody's just being vultures and eating up everything and buying everything, all you can get is a turkey. Well, when push come to serve, you better put, well, push come to shove, better put the fucking turkey in your cart. Because <laughs> there ain't going to be shit left. And so, coming back and bringing it all back together, you know, my grades have shown me and tell me that all that I've seen in my life in these 40, almost 41 years, I have a lot to give back when it comes to knowledge when it comes to respecting things, respecting people, when it comes to appreciating things, appreciating life, and a lot of things that I've targeted as the main thing has driven me off course in the past. I just seen something that was pretty amazing, right? And I'm and I'm a, I don't say pretty amazing, but it was it was pretty eye opening. That's a better way to say it. And uh, I'm gonna see if I can cue this up real quick if I could find it, but 
what I didn't understand is that when you have certain statistics, right, it's about how you use those statistics to then apply your thought process, your order of operations to get to whatever the end goal is, and just having that information to kind of put you in a place of understanding. And so this guy was breaking down the wealth gap. And we know it's a tremendous wealth gap in this country. Not only in this world, but in this country. Tremendous wealth gap. And what he was saying, oh man, please don't tell me it. I don't have it. I'm going to be pissed if I don't got it. I know I saved it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm talking under my breath. I did not save it, and I thought I saved it. But he was breaking down his wealth gap, and he was like, hey, if you want to basically heal our country, you know, we should target the Latinos and African Americans because of all of the people that are millionaires in our country. We are like at 2.1% when it comes to black Americans and Latinos are maybe just shallow of that, like hovering right at 2%. Meanwhile, you know, Caucasians are at 21%. And what that did for me is not limit my my thought process or limit my goal setting, but it really gave me the reality of the truth. A lot of times you search and fight and scrape so hard for the thing that is the most difficult that you don't have time to evaluate and appreciate the things that give you joy. I'm not saying you shouldn't have the goal of being a millionaire. I'm not saying that you shouldn't think that of that 2.1%, why not me? But what we never do, I'll say never, that's being too broad with the brush. Shout out to my boy and my mentor, Stu Proctor. But what we, what we truly don't do is, th- is think about what the reality is. The, ra- the reality is that's probably not designed for you. And I'll tell you this. Again, not shutting anybody down who has goals of being a millionaire. But by becoming a millionaire, what does that mean for you? What is your plan of attack? Because the same people that will have the argument, yeah, that I can become an entrepreneur and become a millionaire and do all these other things are the same people in the same breath that will tell people it's silly to try to focus on being an NBA or NFL because those numbers are too low and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, a lot of ways... Aiming to be a millionaire may be something that's kind of out of reach. And it's not because of who you are or where you come from, but it's just like, are you ready to apply yourself in a way that may or may not make your life happy? It's a lot of millionaires that are not happy, but they are millionaires. But in our culture, black culture, 2.1%, that's incredibly low. So it doesn't make us mediocre, mediocre, I mean, but it just means like there's a lot of work to be done for that to become the norm. And so, yes, someone has to do it. Yes, someone will do it. Yes. But when you get there, this is the key. My grades tell me it can't be all about you no more. I'm not telling you to be a socialist. Just open your wallet and give it away to the black community. But what you should be doing and what I would hope and wish you would be doing, and if I'm ever in this position, this is definitely what I'd be doing. You got to find ways and pathways to help Others that look like you get to where you are. Instead of having all of this knowledge and information that you've gathered, 
and selling it for a profit. Maybe you don't give it away just hand over fist, but there's got to be a different way of helping people get to the goal without them being basically coaxed into paying you for some knowledge. Open these things. And a lot of people get away with the basics. Oh, you know, I got a couple grants. I got a couple scholarships. And that's cool. And thank you for those students that will benefit from those. But what I want to see, how do we promote culture? How do we promote building within? Do we just show up to, you know, impoverished black communities and open brand new things and think that they're going to understand? Probably not, because they're probably going to destroy those things. I mean, that's just how it works. But there's got to be a way to educate. There's got to be a way to change and grow our culture so that we are more ready for maybe that great opportunity that comes our way. And that starts <laughs> in the heart, honestly, man. And sometimes I know people just need tax write-offs and they'll just, you know, throw a couple bucks to the wind for tax purposes, but that doesn't help the community. So I would ask all of us to get super creative. And not only if you become a millionaire, even if you find yourself generously wealthy, you know, like, hey, I got a pretty solid job. Family's good. You know, I make good money. What can I do in my own small way to help? To, I mean, because we always think, oh, we need our own banks, we need our own stores, we need our own this, we need our own that. And I think that that's the bigger dream. But starting on the surface, how do we just help redevelop, empower our own? What does that look like? And my grades tell me that it definitely doesn't look like becoming part of the 2.1%, having the money, and then getting more money by selling me a pipe dream. And I'm not targeting anybody. But I'm on social media, and boy, that ain't nothing but a absolute money grab. For anybody that's claiming to have knowledge on stock investing, real estate investing, shit, health and wellness and whatever, nobody's truly, like, giving out the information in groves just because they want to see people grow and be better and become the better them and have better opportunities and whatever. Instead, it's like... Hey, look at me. I'm going to give you a quick clip to catch your, 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 your eye. And then meet me in my DMs or do whatever. Join my free seminar that's not free. <laughs> so you'll end up paying me something. And I'm going to give you this knowledge. And with this knowledge that is very limited, you should be able to do what I do. As if it's that straightforward versus just saying, you know what? Here's my story. And because I've made plenty of money and I'm not hurting for anything, I can take the time to give you the opportunity to learn me, to learn my ways and see if it applies to you. That's just people looking out for people. But maybe I'm rambling now. But my grades tell me a lot of things from survival <laughs> to there's always a little bit more than what's led on. So that acceptance and that wonder and then finally, just knowing, you know, what it is that you really want out of something. And I think that's, that's the truth, right? Like, we always want to know how to get somewhere, but we never really want to know the opposition that, may, that we may face. Because we all think our stories are going to be different. And that's how I'm going to close, because I hope I don't wreck this for anybody. So if I do, let me apologize right now. 
But the ending of Snowfall, to me, was perfect, right? If you just watched the entire show and you've seen the rise and fall and the heights of that main character's, you know, success, you've rarely seen the lowest of lows of that character's success. And we know in real life, there's always a story that looks like a roller coaster. And a lot of people were upset because, I mean, you fall in love with a character and you always want to see that character. You always want to see that show end and that, man, he made it. He got it. He did it. He escaped any harm. He still got everything. That was great. Clap. But more so, the truth of the matter is there's so many people's stories. And you just look at what's on TV now. Stories like BMF, um, you know, other stories that are not black culture, narcos. Moral of the story is all the things I like to watch, and many other people share this, they're usually are a story of somebody's rise and then the ultimate decline or fall of that person. And the memes are out, so I know a lot of people know how Snowfall ends because <laughs> that, you know, the memes and just the pictures that was, was posted from that last scene are pretty incredible because uh, just knowing how it went, you like, damn, Frank in a bad, split, bad space. But what Frank never lost was the confidence in himself. And I thought they did a perfect and amazing send-off by playing Kendrick's Pride off the damn album as the show was closing. And they gave John Singleton his love, and it was actually shot in the neighborhood where they shot Boys in the Hood. So it was like a whole other part that they sealed and brought John Singleton back to life in that 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 defining moment but the moral of the story is knowing that usually <laughs> there's a high and a low is what people don't really want to know so going back to that money situation going back to understanding that wealth gap that 2.1 percent looks very challenging but i'll take that 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 challenge any day because if i make it i'm a millionaire but what i don't want to hear is oh you probably won't gonna make it because it's the odds are not in your favor. And if they're not in your favor, this is what it looks like. And his story of going from just a kid that wanted to go to college to a kid that became a huge, you know, player in the dope game, had all his money, was invested in city property downtown, to losing it all, not having a dime to his name, yet still being the same person he was when it came to having that character, charisma, and pride is a hell of a ride. And I'm sure Franklin's grace... <laughs> told a story too now my story ain't that but i would ask you to look in the mirror and it doesn't matter your age you know nowadays people are 25 with grades and it just means that you are already starting to get that wisdom and by no means am i completely gray right now I, I am not cornell west here but these grades that i got these few that pop up they yes some of them are stress but i would like to lean on heavily that they are wisdom so i would ask you this week what are your grades say about you? Connect your entire life. Connect all the dots. What will your grades tell you? And with that wisdom, because here's the real challenge. What are you going to do with it? Listen, you already know. At its worst, it's just complicated. <laughs> I appreciate you plugging in again. Staying on this ride with your boy, CO. To the next episode, please before I let you go, like and subscribe. YouTube, no, YouTube, I'm tripping. Like and follow. Facebook, Instagram. What I was thinking about is I'm going to plug my buddies. 
like, and subscribe to I Respectfully Disagree, which is on YouTube, Facebook, and then my boy Mario out at My Therapist Made Me Do This, audio only, but everywhere, Google, Spotify, Apple, you name it. It's all about the little guys, man. We're trying to do this in our own lane, and shout out to them for continuously putting out great material and we're connecting fan bases now, connecting our own circles now by just plugging one another. And with that, that is something that's beautiful. So, in the words of Adrian, share that shit. So, till the next episode, this has been your, your boy, CO. Thank you for your time. I'm out.